Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Willkommen zum Travel Like a Boss Podcast. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 197 of the Travel Like a Boss Podcast. I am somewhere near Malta, which I guess is a country, with Giannis. Welcome, buddy. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, well, nice to hang out. We've been hanging out for a few days uh, on the Nomad Cruise and actually we really got to know each other on one of the excursions. Where was that? The Jeep tour was so amazing. We've been going all around Menorca. So, um, like traveling half day on this Jeeps, going with wheelie off road, standing in the back of the Jeep was so much fun. Yeah. So it was in Monaco, which is technically part of Spain, but right by like Ibiza. It's the next island over. And we went on something called a Jeep safari where they picked us up in Land Rover Defenders, which is a cult classic car. And I actually never had sat in one. I think I've seen them. I've been in like Range Rovers, you know, usually with 20 inch rims. But I never sat in a Defender, and I knew people really liked them, but now I know why. <laughs> exactly. I've been hitchhiking in some on the Canary Islands, just like so amazing, going off-road like nothing. Yeah, and it was actually pretty comfortable. Like, we were super going off-road, going like through villages, kind of mountain passes, and not only did we handle kind of the bumps and roads well, but that thing really felt like a tank. Like, it really felt solid. Yeah, and what was really cool was we had an entire photo and video protection team, <laughs> not only in these Nano River Defenders, we had uh, basically a caravan of them. We had three of them. Mm. But we had guys like Yanis literally hanging off the side of them. <laughs> yeah, everything to get the right shot. Yeah, and actually, so that's actually why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about how your work has taken you really all around the world with travel. How did all that start? Well... Actually, I came from the travel part because I knew I always wanted to travel. It was like one of my biggest passions. So I was thinking about how to make this possible pretty early. When I was like 15 years old, I was in school. It was super boring. Like most people don't like really, don't really like school in Germany. So uh, I was thinking about what to do after school and how I can make my life a little bit more exciting. So I was planning on starting a travel blog, which was not that much of a big thing in Germany. At this time, it was like um, 2012 when I first thought about it. So uh, actually, in at my uh, 18th birthday, I actually founded my first company, the Travel Blog, and I got sponsors pretty quick. But I realized I'm actually not that much into this writing part. For me, it was about the travel stories. So I was thinking about a better way to tell this kind of travel story. So after publishing two quite successful books, I tried something new and published a travel movie, a 90-minute travel documentary. Wow, hold on. I think <laughs> you just jumped over a lot because right. I think there's so many people who dream about even starting a travel blog and getting a sponsor. How did that even happen? Like, what made your travel blog stand out or be successful versus, you know, the literally 8 million other ones? Well, to be honest, like I said, I had it still quite easy because in 2014, there were not so many uh, travel blogs in Germany at this time. So it was just at a point where big companies started to realize it makes sense to advertise on blogs, but were not like thousands of them at this time. And I was pretty much in a in a niche because i was young but um loved adventure travel so usually like hiking and stuff is more for old people that's what most people think but uh, i love just like hiking and hitchhiking and sleeping in a, a tent and doing this adventure stuff so a lot of adventure companies were interested in uh advertising on my blog that's cool actually i get a lot of people who ask me should i write my blog in english or in lithuanian or spanish or whatever their native language is 
And I always tell them, like, do it in your language because, definitely, definitely. you know, you don't have all that competition. And every one of them has the same excuse. And you know what it is. The U.S. market is so much bigger. The English market exactly. is so much bigger. Of course, the English market is bigger, but also there's, like, way more competition. But it's not only the competition. It's also the value for sponsors because uh, you've got a lot of local brands that are looking for opportunities to uh, place ads and actually reach their audience and not, like, people from 200 countries which will never be in a position to buy their products because they're only selling one place. That really makes sense. So even if somebody is from, like, Ukraine or something where only people in Ukraine speak Ukrainian, they might think... This is stupid because we have such a small, you know, country. There's only only a limited amount of people who will read a blog in Ukrainian. But I I can guarantee that, like maybe not today, but I will actually probably even think today. I think there's no real country or language in, on earth where somebody doesn't want, you know, to sell something to <laughs> to that country. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So okay, I love that. So how did you then? published the books like what was that so my, my travel blog was not so much about giving uh, advice on traveling like a lot of travel bloggers does but um actually a lot of my travel stories things i experienced during my during my travels um i started my travel blog when i was hiking uh, hiking the alps from germany through austria to italy and then continued hitchhiking along the coast down to the south of italy and i realized it's basically a continuous story so every day i was writing a blog post but it was really hard for my followers to keep track of everything because I was always referring to things that happened before. So that's when I realized it's actually like one story that has to be told from the beginning to an end. So when I was back from this journey, uh, I was going through my blog post again and created like one book out of this one continuous story. And I just put in Amazon. And at this time, I had a lot of connections in the travel blogger sector already from um, big fairs like the ITB in, in Berlin and stuff. So a lot of travel bloggers uh, who I met friends with shared my book when it first came out. So I sold like, uh, I think, 1,000 of them in the first three days. Wow. And it was on uh, first place and at the, at the Amazon bestseller list for, I think, like four days or something. What's the book called? Um, Zoot. An Abenteuer Reise nach Süden. I've read that. No, it's in German, totally. What does it mean? Uh, well, Süd is actually an Italian word because, like, most of the journey was in Italy. Uh, it means south. Uh, and Ein Abenteuer Reise nach Süden means that adventurous travel to the south, something like that. Oh, that's cool. And I guess, do Germans know what Süd means? Uh, not really, but it was explained in the cover somehow because I was, uh, I'm on the cover holding out this uh, like hitchhiking sign with a compass on it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I like it. And it's still available today. Someone wants to buy it? Yeah, it is. It's a uh, print ebook, and uh, I think an audiobook is coming soon. So do you still make money from that now? Um, not so much anymore. I, I did a mistake to not keep up with the promotion. And instead, I focused on publishing the next book right away. So just uh, four months after publishing the first book, I was publishing the second one. Wow, that's fast. So okay. I didn't really continue the promotion. Okay, so today... It still sells. Do you still have some passive income from this? Uh, a, a little bit, but it's uh, not not part of my main income. Okay, but like, is it enough to like you know pay for some meals or like yeah, yeah pay, pay, okay. some, some meals? That's <laughs> nice because actually the reason why I ask is uh, Tom Smith, another German guy who's on the cruise, was the last guest last week's guest on the podcast, and he publishes Kindle books. And he has some that make over a thousand euros, and then mm -hmm. some that just make fifty euros or two hundred euros. It's funny you mention him. Actually, I just talked to him yesterday, and he's doing it way smarter than I did because I was totally relying on my clients I had already, like the readers of my blog and stuff. So when I stopped promoting my book, that's when sales really went down. 
and uh, he's using a lot of keywords. Uh, that's what I picked up. So uh, he's actually focusing on getting the traffic from Amazon itself. And that's, of course, way more sustainable long term. I think my book and yours is probably very similar in terms of the marketing where if I mention my book on an interview or you know on my blog or something, that I get a bunch of sales one month. But if I don't mention That's it... That's why I do mention it right now. <laughs> yeah. 12 weeks in Thailand and life changes quick and then zoot. <laughs> you can, I guess you can buy all three mm. if you really want. Um, but yeah, if I mention it, then people buy it. If I don't mention it, nobody is searching for 12 weeks in Thailand or exactly. you know, life changes right. quick, you know? So... I think we we're kind of in the same boat, but it's still nice, you know. I make you know what, one hundred, sometimes two hundred dollars a month from it. It's not a lot of money; I can't live off of it. But I think as entrepreneurs, it's always nice to have multiple streams. Definitely. Mm. Okay, I love it. So you you published the books. You had a little bit of money from that. Uh, then I'm assuming you used that money to buy all that expensive camera gear to produce uh, this film. Like, what what was it? Like, how how did that start? <laughs> well, expensive camera gear is a good uh, good one. So, um, actually, uh, after publishing this first book, uh, which was quite successful, I was invited to a big German conference in Berlin to give a talk. I, I was uh, 19 years old at this time. It was the first time I was, I was speaking in front of a big crowd. I think we were like 600 people or something. I was pretty nervous. But also I was thinking about how I could use this traffic to like promote my next book as well. So um, when I w was going on stage, I didn't even start writing the book. But I announced it for two weeks later to, to use the traffic. So I was sitting, uh, I was sitting in Leverkusen, my home base at this time, um, right after the conference and tried to start writing my second book and like not a single word was coming out. And it was just so tiring. It was so exhausting to write the second book. I didn't feel, uh, the flow of the first book at all. And it's when I realized for me, it was about travel stories that I picked up right when I was traveling and I made this blog post from it so it was easy to make a book from it later because I was writing it down right in the moment when I experienced. But for me, the experience was a lot about the things I see, the things I hear. Um, so I was thinking about how I can give this experience even more closely to the, to my audience. I was thinking about a movie would be a good idea. So when I started my next journey, it was right after school. I was hitchhiking up to the North Cape, the most northern place in Europe, uh, passing eight countries on the way. I was doing the journey with a friend of mine. And um, yeah, that was the first time ever I was using a video camera, actually. Uh, and I was starting pretty basic. So I had a GoPro with me and my smartphone. That's it. That's all I had to produce this movie. And it was a three-month travel. And when I came back, I was going through the shots and yeah, producing this, this movie. That's cool. And did you have much experience or did you, you know, go to school or take classes on how to edit and film? Or was this just all, you know, just fly by night and just try to figure it out well well okay to be honest i had a camera in my hands before uh at this trip i just told you about when i was hiking over the alps i, I had a rough idea to maybe like create a movie from this one day with the footage but when i was looking into it, it was just so bad i couldn't use it for anything so between that and um the hitchhiking to the north cape uh one year passed and I was uh, practicing like on the weekends, uh, doing excursions to my neighbor countries, doing like small, tiny five minute documentaries out of it for YouTube, but I didn't study it professionally uh, at all. I asked a lot of people for help though, um, like their experience in videography. So I did a lot of interviews before starting this project. Okay, I, l I love it. So this was uh, Nine Zoot. 
how do you, I don't know how do you say north north <laughs> not uh, no. <laughs> uh, north no actually I called it hyperborea which is like an old Greek word for uh, the land far in the north because the funny thing actually is the Greek never have been that far north so there have been a lot of uh, myths about uh, the north like um, that there are uh, magic going on this kind of stuff so I, I found the stories interesting and I picked up the name oh, I like it okay so this film how did how did that go did you make money from it. <laughs> it was going pretty well actually because uh in germany if you start a company at a young age and you've got some success uh from selling books and stuff uh the media is pretty interested in it usually so um i gave a lot of interviews before starting this uh, movie project already so um when i was traveling to the north and i was planning on doing this movie a lot of german newspapers were writing about it like every week where i i am at this moment and how the production is going so just before i came back already i had a German cinema in my hometown requesting me to do the how's it called a uh, premiere the premiere yeah. at their place and they gave me like really good conditions so uh, I just did it and I was thinking about could be nice to like show it in a cinema one time so that's what I did and when the day of the premiere was coming closer also the German TV was contacting me to do a small documentary about me and this kind of stuff so I, I reached a lot of people and the premiere was totally sold out and the atmosphere was amazing I was thinking about it would be sad to just have it like one time in a cinema so I reached out to other cinemas and when I checked my inbox next time there were like more than 40 cinemas all around Germany texting me that they want to show my movie that's amazing. <laughs> I actually had no idea how successful you were. That's cool. And okay, so it's I think a lot of times people are held back thinking I I'm especially people are not from the US, right? And I, they're like, "No, my country is too small where I'm not going I'm not going to have a big enough audience." But what you had mentioned was really smart where they're kind of almost like the I don't want to say the smaller your country, but the less uh people are doing like that are making films and doing all these things the more publicity publicity you get because new outlets they still like, kind of need to make content they need interesting things so if you're the only one in malta making a film about <laughs> traveling or you're the only one from you know ukraine making these films you're especially if you're young you know or especially if you have a unique story if you're very young or you're very old or you're very female or you're very this you're very that <laughs> It's an easy, interesting story for them to pick up on. Exactly. And I mean, you don't need audience of millions and millions of people, especially in the beginning when you're just on your company. The hardest part is bringing the first clients in and bringing the first viewers to the cinemas and this kind of stuff. And if you're in a small country where there's not, not so much concurrence going on, it's like pretty helpful. That's cool. So when a, a cinema shows your movie, are you getting like a portion of ticket sales or do you get um, like a fee every time they, they show it or how does it work? Uh, I get a portion of the ticket sales. Well, usually it works that way that the production company um, sells the right on the movie to uh, what we call a film falai. I don't know the English word actually. Um, so it's basically uh, a label for movies and they coordinate everything with the cinemas, do the advertising for it, this kind of stuff. But I was skipping this part and I was contacting the cinemas directly. So I get quite a big portion of uh, every ticket sale. Can we talk about percentages? Like what would you normally get if you went through one of these uh, film productions and what would you get if you went direct? So if you go to like uh, the typical way, you would usually get about 20% of each ticket. I was getting about 40 to 60%. That's amazing. So you're basically doing your own marketing, you're doing your own kind of channel. Right. And they're probably happy because they're probably paying them these other fees. Exactly, right. 
So for the cinemas, it was uh, quite cool as well because I was going to all the local premieres as well and did a little talk about the video. So it was good for the cinema also to advertise it and um, announce some special program. Okay, that's cool. So how long did that stay in cinemas? Uh, for about three and a half months. Wow, that's pretty good. So how did that feel? Like, you know, your friends, family, people <laughs> going to the movie theater and seeing your movie. It was so surreal. Like the first screening, especially when I saw it. I mean, I've been working on it for like nearly half a year and I was editing on my tiny MacBook Air. It was super slow and I was really struggling to get this movie produced. And I was working on it always on the small screen. And when the first time I saw it on a big screen, it was just such an amazing feeling. Man, I can imagine that. So, and this was filmed on, on a GoPro and <laughs> yeah. an iPhone? GoPro and an iPhone. And like some extra gear, like uh, like tripods and body mounts. And uh, I even produced a little, uh, how's it called? The timer you set for uh, the boiling eggs, uh, which is slowly spinning around, right? So I put a GoPro mount on top so I could do like move time lags and kind of stuff to uh, give the feeling of a higher production value. Wow. That is actually really smart. I think now when people see you... And you have, you know, hun- like, I don't know, tens of thousands, if not $100,000 worth of gear. <laughs> They're like, I can't do that because mm. I don't, I can't afford this gear. Mm. I don't have this team. I don't have this equipment. I don't have these lenses. I don't have this lighting. But you, this story really just proved that if you are dedicated, you think outside the box, mm. you know, you work, work on the story, you spend the time to film, edit, improvise, that you can do it even with basic equipment. Definitely. I mean, there's so much about the story. And uh, I saw a lot of production companies having like really big gear, gear and producing, I wouldn't say shit, but uh, yeah, basically, I mean, it's so much about what you want to show. And you, if you've got like a good story to show, you can even produce it with your iPhone or smartphone you have. This actually reminds me of a conversation we had on the Jeep that when you have clients, they, even though it has more to do with, with talent, with, you know, a good eye, with skill level, that clients still want to see big cameras and big equipment to feel like you're professional. While nowadays with like small, like mirrorless cameras and compact like lenses that like it, it's not necessary to have these these like big boxes mm. yeah actually I, I even have one one client he was really struck uh, one one friend of mine he was really struggling with that because he was doing interviews on uh, big fairs for um, online channels and this kind of stuff but um, usually the people wouldn't take him serious and he wouldn't get appointments with uh, like big company CEOs and this kind of stuff because he was only filming on a small mirrorless camera so what he did was he was buying an old TV camcorder which this this part these things are massive but you can't use them for anything anymore because they're so outdated technically so we were screwing out the front lens and uh, replacing it by a GoPro so we had this huge massive camcorder on his shoulder running around having a mic- microphone guy running next to him and uh, people were like uh, like super happy to get an appointment with, with him and told to tell him what's new about their products and this kind of stuff and actually it was just filming with a tiny little GoPro it's so funny and it's it's insane. I think the good thing is knowing that, especially as a digital nomad or someone who travels a lot, we can have really high quality equipment, literally in our pockets now. Definitely. I mean, for the for the last year, I was 
totally traveling with hand luggage only. I mean, of course, I was over the weight limit, but usually I don't get checked. I was like traveling with 15 kilograms, but in this tiny little uh, hand luggage bags. And that was like all my camera gears. I used to produce corporate films all around the world. Right now, I've got some bigger equipment with me for some special productions, but uh, it's definitely possible even to travel hand luggage if you're filming. That, that's amazing. I, I, and I really like that. I actually, I want to get into the gear in a second, but I have a feeling that there's probably more to your story that you, you haven't told me yet. So after you had your film in the cinema, like what happened next? Well, what happened next was uh, that I was pretty exhausted by the production. I mean, it was amazing. It was so much fun. But um, also I underestimated the work a movie makes. So I was setting a deadline way, way, way too early. So I was working on a day and night. And actually at the day of the premiere, I was driving through half of Germany to visit a friend who's got a, a a big iMac to make me uh, to to export this movie because my my tiny little MacBook Air wouldn't like export the movie for me. Um, so I was I was getting back like one hour before the premiere with the finished movie which I haven't seen yet after the export and was super nervous and just hoping everything would go right. So I was pretty tired and thought about doing some digital detox. So I went to Nepal for three months. Traveled around there. I've been volunteering in a drug rehabilitation, working there with the locals. I was the first volunteer there ever, so they were super excited and super friendly. I was learning uh, basic Nepali there, so I can actually like talk to the people there because most of them didn't speak English. And I was making friends with a local guy as well. Um, he was just like one of the nicest person I ever met, and he has such a moving story of um, like how. He broke us up with his first wife and was getting into drugs, and now he start to get over it and do do something like more meaningful with his life. And he was inviting me home to stay with his family after my time in the drug rehabilitation. And uh, I was doing it. I was going home with him. And when we've been getting closer to his town and this tiny little local bus, he was getting a little bit like I I felt he gets nervous, and there was something he didn't tell me at this time, and was that he was living in the slum area of Pokhara actually like right behind the airport in a tiny little um like a tiny little hut and they were sleeping on the ground with the whole family like seven people on one mattress and um he was he was not sure if I would pick it up right and if I would still want to stay with them but of course I did and I was living in this family for one month and it was like such an amazing time it told me a lot about uh, it was teaching me a lot about like how to be happy without ha- having a lot of money that is crazy man and I, it's funny because I just got back from Pokhara a few weeks ago, <laughs> and I only saw and stayed in the super tourist area. And I think it's changed a lot in the last couple of years mm. as well, where now they have some really nice restaurants. Mm. Restaurants that if you saw in Germany or in the US, you'd be like, wow, this is a mm. nice restaurant. They just opened a gym the week I arrived mm. that is two floors and just beautiful. So they're like preparing for more tourism or, you know, somewhere nicer. Mm. And I can't even imagine what it was like because the minimum wage in Nepal is something like now, even now, I'm sure, I'm sure it was less before because now they actually have, uh, they have a minimum wage. Then they have a living wage in air quotes where that's what people kind of expect. Uh, so they could have a basic place to sleep and basic food. Mm, okay. And even that, the living wage is only 55 US dollars a month. Mm. Yeah, I think the family I stayed in, uh, they had about like $90 per month, but for the whole family. Um, and it's insane to see like 
how they actually make it work by just supporting each other so much. The, I, the, the slum time was so different from what I expected it to be. I mean, people were so caring and helped each other out. And if one was making a little bit more money than the other one, he would probably invite his neighbors for dinner. So, uh, yeah, it was such an amazing experience, definitely. That's cool. So while you were in Nepal, did you do any... Like any photography, any filming? Did you do any tracks or anything? Uh, actually, I didn't even bring my cameras because I felt so excessive from the movie production. I was thinking like just digital detox, no work here, which was kind of difficult because I've got, uh, got a lot of requests at this time. I will we'll get into this later. Um, so I was not taking any camera, but of course, like you, you probably experienced the same. It's just so beautiful. The country and there's so much to take pictures of. So I was, uh, filming a lot with my phone at this time again, like in this documentary. And I was getting pretty close to everything. Like also the monkeys jumping around. I was getting so close and got smacked by the monkeys a pretty lot of time. And that was the first time I actually thought about getting some bigger gear and getting a little bit more professional with the video production so I can actually capture all of this beauty. Yeah, that's amazing. Actually, I the first time I actually ever really thought about buying a better camera was when I was planning my trip to Nepal, and I just mm. knew it was going to be beautiful. Mm. And I regret now not investing in that in that gear before. But actually, I guess I probably would have made a mistake because I didn't really know what to get until uh, the other day when I was hanging out with you, <laughs> and you just hap you happen to have. A second camera <laughs> of the same camera that I wanted. So basically, you had your main camera, you know, and then I was like, oh, wow, I've, I've been wanting to play with this or look at it. And you're like, oh, I have another one. Here, <laughs> go ahead. And I don't know if you, like, what you were thinking at that moment, because most people, I guess, if they hand you a camera, they think, oh, you play, play with it for two minutes and then give it back. I kept it for like two hours, and I think I took like a hundred. Or, I don't know, I probably took, how many shots did I take with it? Pretty good one, actually. Uh, and I, I was so happy to see you because you've been just so, like, happy and smiling and running around with the camera all the time. So I felt like you've been falling in love with the camera, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. I th like, at that moment, I decided I want to buy this exact camera. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the decision I also made when I was coming back from Nepal. But there was another uh, another decision I did before because, like like you said already, Pokhara is growing pretty fast. So uh, outside of the city, the small villages are getting smaller and smaller. More people move to the towns, and I wanted to see like one of the villages, the the village my house father was from, and uh, we were doing a motorbike trip up to the small village on. Uh, not New Year's Eve, it was Christmas. Exactly, like Christmas morning, we, we drove up there. And I always wanted to try to ride the motorbike myself. So actually, he was teaching me there. And um, that's when I fell in love with riding motorbikes. So going around this Himalayan roads uh, on this tiny little old Royal Enfield a, a British motorbike uh, not produced in India and was just such a, so amazing. So when I got back from Nepal, the first thing I did was my motorbike driver license. Um, and I was looking for uh, for sponsors and uh, I had quite a good reputation due to my movie in Germany. So Harley Davidson gave me a brand new motorbike and I found some other sponsors for the clothes and stuff as well. And I was planning about riding uh, around Europe for some, some time, just like the summer months, three months uh, around Europe. And I was not still not checking my inbox um, and still had some savings from the movie production. So I was just traveling around. But after three weeks, actually, the bike was stolen in Bosnia. So I was going back and still I had the passion for riding motorbike. And I was thinking about how could I afford to buy my own motorbike. And maybe it makes sense to start a new project. So that was the first time for like 
five or six months where I'm was seriously looking into my inbox. I mean, I checked it now and then, but not uh, not getting back to the people. And I realized so many people were sending me requests for video productions because they saw my movie and knew I was passionate about travel traveling. So a lot of travel brands contacted me because they want to have videos for their websites and their online campaigns. So uh, yeah, that's when I realized maybe it wouldn't be the worst idea to start a production company. That is so cool. I think there's two things, like two one-liners that would be so good to introduce you that I wish I would have known before the podcast, you know, or, you know, if you ever, if I ever need to set you up on a blind date with someone, I can say, well, you know, he, Giannis has once uh, lived in a Nepalese slum for a month, or Giannis has once gotten a a free Harley Davidson and and then had it (laughs) stolen three weeks later in Bosnia. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one, actually. I, I mean, still traveling is one of my biggest passion and like one of my biggest learning about traveling in the last, last few years was the best parts are what happens if you don't plan anything. Like the slums thing. I couldn't have planned it from home. It was just what happened when I went there and actually met the people. Yeah, I love it. I guess you can't really say, okay, I'm going to spend one week in poker, one week on the Everest Base Camp track, and then I'm going to meet a local. Yeah, you'd miss the best. Yeah, I like it. So... You got your bike stolen in Bosnia. You start checking your emails. You decided to start this production company. How, like, how did that go? Like, what do you remember? Like, who your first clients were? How did you know what to charge them? Like, how was the experience? So, like I said before, I was uh, still filming with pretty small gear. Although I was thinking about buying bigger gear in Nepal already. Um, I was filming with this tiny little GoPros, which can actually do uh, amazing shots, which, and it's amazing for the beginning. But if companies pay you a few thousand dollars to produce their video, usually don't like they don't like seeing you running around with a tiny little GoPro. So I was thinking about buying bigger camera gear anyways, and also to be more flexible on set and get the shot right in a shorter time, because during my documentary production, I often had to wait a whole day for the perfect light to get the shot right, even with a tiny GoPro. So just to be more flexible, I bought some cameras from the last savings I still had from my movie production and um, yeah just got into it I was taking the first few jobs and I was not sure if I would like it to produce for others because for me it was always about telling my travel stories and not that much about the video production itself when I then finally got into it and I had to learn all the things to like show the products and do all the stuff I've never done before and I was learning new things every day about video production I think that's when I really really fell in love with it yeah, I love that. And I guess this is uh, pretty wild because I think a lot of people, they dream about being able to travel, number one. Second, they dream about having a job that's they're passionate about that allows them to travel for free while getting paid for it. Also, while doing some kind of creative or artistic talent that they enjoy doing. And you seem like you've created your dream job. Exactly. And the funniest part is if someone would have told me like a few years before that I was going to do, uh, I was start a production company and do videos for web, I would probably uh, not believe it because it was nothing I was thinking about it beforehand. I, I always had this dream to be like a travel writer or something. And when I was doing it then, it didn't feel that great it didn't feel how i expected to be and then when i started my production company which was something i was never dreaming about it just felt so right so sometimes it's just the best part to get started and do something and then like see where it takes you so one part that really caught my my attention was the fact that you spent so much time and effort making this film you know as good as possible and then you spent six months editing it while 
most people they would just you know they film it and then they would spend like maybe one day editing it you know maybe two maximum but they would just I get it and then they they would put it on YouTube because they would think okay great you know <laughs> I have this uh, film this and the reason why I know this is because when I was going to Nepal for my trek I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube about the Annapurna circuit trek or the Everest Base Camp trek just to see what it looked like. And there's a bunch of people who made videos. Some of them, you know, they filmed over one or two weeks. Uh, they spent, you know, some quite a bit of time editing it. But they never really thought to put it anywhere else. They were just like, okay, well, time to put it on YouTube. And the same with mine. You know, I had a video that I filmed over, you know, 12 days. And then I, I literally edited it on my iPhone in, you know, a few hours. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it on, on YouTube. I never would have even thought of spending that much time editing it to movie quality and then e- or, and then contacting mo- like a cinema what made you do that like what made you dedicate 6 months of your life to do that um well i guess i'm just a person who loves challenges and learning new things uh, and this were basically two things combined in one single project i was doing something i think never have no one in germany has done before like just producing a movie and bringing it to the cinema yourself. Um, I mean, like no one I know about. And the second part was I was learning so much during this production process because I had no idea of how videos are produced, like good videos are produced. I had no idea of how cinema business works, like how a movie actually gets to the cinema. And every day I was learning so many new things. And it was so interesting to look uh, behind the scenes of a whole industry in like one single project. That's what kept me motivated so much and like wanted to push this project further and further and uh, yeah, actually bring it to the cinemas all around Germany. I love the, the big goals that, that you set for yourself and they paid off. That's amazing. What was the name of the movie again? It's Hyperborea. If somebody wants to, to watch it, can they find it somewhere? Uh, you find it on Vimeo to buy um, in English and German. Okay. Yeah, I would love to see it. Sounds really cool. Cool. All right. So you started getting these these projects, and where has that led you now? Like, where where have you traveled because of work, and where have you gotten not only to travel for free, but you've actually gotten paid to travel to? Well, actually, especially last year was so insane. I had so many amazing projects, so many amazing clients all around the world. I think I've been producing in like. I don't even know anymore, like 20 or 30 countries last year only. So I was spending a lot of time in the airplane. And sometimes I was even going to countries uh, twice or three times in the same year because clients wanted follow-up projects. And uh, yeah, I've been going to like Vietnam and Thailand and uh, a lot of like some African countries as well, like uh, Morocco, Egypt, basically all around Europe. Uh, I've been producing on a Nomad cruise as well, like going to Panama and um, yeah, it was just so much fun to travel to all of these places and every time experience a new country, experience a new project. Like I said, I, li- li- I love learning new things. So um, every project is different. I think that's what I like so much about video production. And um, every time you have to sink into the business of the client and sink into a whole new industry and try to figure out what the client really needs and what the client of the client needs, the one who you address with the video. And I think that's one of the parts that I love so much about the production company right now. Yeah, I love it. And actually, here's a fun uh, side fact is Giannis and I actually communicated before the Nomad Cruise and we didn't realize it until uh, after we actually hung out for an entire day. 
I had been looking for someone to create uh, a nice promo video or a nice after movie for the Nomad Summit, and I asked for recommendations uh, from people and say, do, you know, does anyone know of anyone who's good uh, at you know producing these cool videos mm-hmm. that happens to be in Thailand? And somebody had mentioned, oh, you have to contact Giannis. So I emailed him, and I think unfortunately you were in the south of Thailand at the time with another project, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I just love Thailand. I was going there like four or five times i think last year to uh, produce like in the cafe plantages in the north and chiang mai for some business conferences as well and uh at this time i was producing the south for a british backpacking company so they basically do group tours but not like for old people in the bus but like young backpackers um like traveling around sleeping in hostels and this kind of stuff and uh it was pretty cool they sent me around the south of thailand from island to island for three weeks to uh film the tour and make a yeah, like kind of corporate film or advertising video for their website. That's really cool. I like, I like that. And I actually think um, next year for the Nomad Summit, instead of having it just be three days, which is you know normally like pool party day, we have uh, the main conference day, and then we normally have just like um, like a small meetup or something. I want to start having more kind of adventure expeditions with it because a lot of people are coming to Thailand really just for the Nomad Summit. Uh, you know, and hopefully they stay and you know they check out Chiang Mai and they travel a bit. But I really want to create some excursions for people, and there's so many cool things. Uh, so I definitely hope that you're gonna be in town, uh, January nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. I already blocked the dates. I'm so much looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun, and I think what we would probably do is like that entire week before we'll have a bunch of activities where we'll go. There's a place called the Sticky Waterfalls mm-hmm. that it's uh so imagine like a waterfall. But it's made out of this material, kind of like a Spider-Man web, where you can literally right. just walk up the waterfall, climb up. How cool. And it's, I think it'd be like <laughs> such a cool shot, you know? Definitely. So yeah. so, yeah, good to mention. So I will block some more time beforehand because I love Chiang Mai so much. There's so much cool things to do around, like the, the mountains there are amazing for motorbike trips as well, going up to Pai and experience all of the stuff. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to do all this cool stuff with, like, amazing people, digital nomads from all around the world. Yeah, so how did you actually get into the digital nomad scene? Well, like I said, when I started my travel blog, the travel blogging scene is related to the nomad scene uh, quite a bit. So this conference I told you about before where I was giving my first big speech about self-publishing, this was actually, like I think, one of the biggest, or I think the biggest digital nomad conference at this time. It was called the DNX in Berlin. Um, So yeah, that's where I met so many digital nomads. And I realized, that I'm not the only for the first time I realized that I'm not the only person traveling the world and working from anywhere and was so inspiring to meet all these amazing people who had businesses just like me traveling the world giving them freedom and basically living their dream so I decided I want to spend like most of the time most of the year with this kind of amazing people and connect and yeah just spend time together and travel I love it man and the Nomad Cruise has really been a a great way to get people together to to hang out, but also learn from each other. But I think really the benefit of it, I mean, because it's really, it's not just about the talks. I think the talks are are good on, on the cruise and it's nice to have, but really people come to connect with each other and do these excursions and travel and just kind of like live, almost kind of like relive like uh, the college dorm life 
on a boat with a bunch of digital nomads. <laughs> it's funny you said because that's exactly how I described it to my friends, like back from Germany, when they asked me what I'm basically doing on, the, on this cruise ship thing. Yes, it's really, I had this feeling to it because they're like parties every evening, excursions in the daytime, you just hang out in the coffee. But besides that, you also have this business conferences and workshops to actually work on your projects. Yeah, and I like that they keep it you know pretty short in the mornings. It's only like uh, a few hours in the morning, and then you have other optional workshops. But a lot of the workshops are things like doing acro yoga, or tonight we had a talent show. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like fun things. Uh, plus, with the open bar because it's all inclusive. You know, every night people are just drinking and just having a good time. Yeah, I like it. So, what uh, what are your plans now for kind of like the rest of the year? So uh, right now I'm pretty bu- busy and pretty much tired every day because i work on two new projects and i really fell in love with these projects already but i'm gonna outsource a lot so um i think after the second half yeah like the the in the second half of the year will be a bit more calm but the first one is pretty busy because uh, i started two new production companies i after this movie production and producing my first few corporate films i was thinking about the beginnings when i first got into video production how hard it was to find good information and to learn all the stuff so i created an online course it's in german unfortunately only so uh that's where i teach people how to make videos no matter what their budget is so you, they can produce amazing videos with their iphone like i did in the beginning or the gopro and that's what i teach in this online course and i really fell in love with the concept of online courses and e-learning because you can basically learn anything from anywhere at any time like just what you need and um, I think in the past two years, I was a student in a, what, about 100 online courses myself because I just loved the concept, loved the idea, and I want to see how other people are doing it. So that's why I started a production company for high-quality online courses. So if you've got an expert business and um, you've got, let's say, like 1 million YouTube subscribers and they're following everything you do, then maybe you will also want to think about giving them a product to buy, like giving uh, them even more of your expertise and like one structured course. So then we do the production for you. We will come to your place, film everything. We do the editing, make the lectures of it. We will create a workbook for you. So that's what the uh, second production company I started did. Right, that's cool. So if any of you guys are listening and you guys have a big YouTube channel, or like a big audience, you know, or just even a big budget, I guess. Hit up uh, Giannis for that. You don't need uh, to speak German. <laughs> I think your your course is in German, but my you, course is in German, but we produce in uh, all languages. The website for this production company is in English and German. So what's the website? Uh, it's called Excellence Courses. Excellencecourses.com. And if somebody wants to buy your German uh, video making course, uh, it's called um, Easy Movie School. Easy minus movie minus school dot de. Okay. And when you say minus, you mean, uh, dash, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to call it English. <laughs> yeah. I guess I never thought, I guess it is a minus. <laughs> I think we call it hyphen or we call it dash, but this kind of just, uh, shows with the uh, language barriers we have between <laughs> German and English. Right. Which actually my, uh, my talent, um, exposition was about tonight. Mm. Uh, so I love it. I, I, I really think this is like such a, a, a cool thing you've done. You've really taken your, your passions and you've turned it into, a sustainable way of of traveling, but also you know earning money, but also really creating value for others. So I, I really admire that. And you seem so humble. Like honestly, when I met you, you're just like this normal kind of cool guy. And I don't think you realized, but like just by you being so generous and just handing you know some guy you just met, you know your your you know thousand five hundred dollar camera and then lens or two thousand dollar plus camera, you know, I just say, oh yeah, go ahead and play with it. With and trusting me to 
basically keep it for hours, you know, that really changed my life. And I think the little things that we do, the little, the generosity that we have, you know, or just like, even, it doesn't even have to cost, you know, you any money because if you, you, you already own the camera and, or, and then the people listening, you probably already have a skill or talent or a piece of equipment or something that you can show someone else and that could inspire them to change their life. So I, I like that. Thank you for that. Danke schön. I'm really looking forward to see your pictures when you got yours. Yeah, so I've been putting it off for a long time. Everyone that, that knows me and follows my YouTube channel or my blog, you know, I'm almost kind of infamous for just using my, my iPhone. And I've been very proud of getting as good as I can get with just my iPhone. And I'm sure I can do things like get a tripod, which unfortunately I, I've been too lazy to carry, you know, or getting an external microphone, which also I've been too lazy to do. But I, I always have known that if I step up my video and my photo skills, not only would I enjoy it more because it'll allow me to take better photos, capture better memories, uh, create better content, but eventually it'll pay me back. You know, and probably maybe it could become a new business. Make maybe it could be, you know, something that'll make my existing businesses or even a, better. Or step up in your current business. I mean, you're doing this amazing podcast. Yeah. You could also do some like live interviews for your YouTube channel as well. Yeah, exactly. So you've definitely inspired me. I've actually already been to two camera stores today in Malta to, to try to find it. <laughs> Unfortunately, they had something called Siesta, so everything was closed. Uh, but. Our next stop in Greece, I'm going to head to a, a camera store and I'm going to buy the camera that Giannis has, which is the Sony Alpha 6300 and a nice lens with it. So the the lens that I've decided to buy is the, what, 18 to 135 something lens. You probably know more about it. I think it's a 3.5 to 6.3 or something. So yeah, it's a pretty good lens. Yeah. And honestly, I was too cheap to even want to buy a lens i kept thinking i'll <laughs> ah, just use the one it comes with but i played with somebody's uh you know camera with the stock lens and honestly it made me not want to buy the camera because i thought you know what this isn't that different than my iphone it's a typical mistake in the beginning i mean so many people put so much money into their camera and then save on all the gear that's necessary to like really get a good results with it i mean the the Actually, the lens is what makes the image. The, the camera just captures it. So if you've got a shitty lens producing a shitty image, then the best camera can just capture a shitty image. Yeah, so definitely, if you guys are going to buy a camera, you have to spend some money on the lens. Uh, the one I'm looking at is $600, which is almost the price of the camera. So that's just the way it is. I, I think if you're going to do it, you, you have to do it, right? Right. But it was also cool knowing that you can you know, produce cool videos and photos with the GoPro, with the iPhone. So what would you recommend to somebody who is just starting out, you know, that is passionate or, or wants to know more uh, about, you know, making, you know, uh, good videos, maybe editing. And also, I guess, I guess it's two different questions. The, yeah, the photo side and the video side. Like if you was talking to someone that was really passionate, but they're just starting out, what would you recommend to them? Well, the, the most important thing is spend a lot of time in actually doing it. I mean, there are so many mistakes you can do in the beginning. And if you just do it, you will figure it out. In the beginning, you'll, you will, you will produce pictures and videos and you will think like, okay, that's good already. This part is good. I like it. But, uh, here it just 
doesn't look how I expect it to look like. And then you're going to ask people and do online courses and watch YouTube channels. And you're going to slowly learn and progress. And every time some, you don't like something about it, you can change it. And that's basically the best way to learn instead of like, like practicing and studying it for years without actually doing it in real life. One thing that is a reoccurring theme with most of the guests on the show, besides them being successful in what they do, is the fact that almost all of them mention in the backstory that they took online courses or they paid for online courses, which is funny because if you talk to most digital nomads that you meet or especially online, most people are like, no, like that's a waste of money. Don't, don't buy courses. Don't sign up for something. Just get everything for free. And there is a direct correlation between the people who are successful enough to be on this podcast. And I never know, you know, it's always, always kind of, kind of comes up organically almost 100% of people who are successful invested in themselves. Like what, like what, like what do you think about that? And what are some of the courses that you, you bought? Well, I mean, investing in yourself is probably the best investing you can do because it's for your whole lifetime. And, um, yeah, I took a lot of courses on Udemy, different topics from soft skills, like public speaking and this kind of stuff to, uh, like hard facts, like video editing, this kind of stuff. Then, uh, I also have been checking out other platforms. I've been, uh, doing basically all of the master classes. So like, um, high value online courses with ex pretty known experts in their field. And they're really well produced. So I did basically all of this just to, just to see how they how they work how how it looks like and to recreate this look and um yeah just so many different fields also also on the personal level a lot about health and staying fit and this kind of stuff so yeah i use it for all levels that's cool i love it so definitely guys invest in yourself invest in some good gear invest in learning growing and follow your passions i love it for for me this e-learning sector is like one of the most interesting or if not the most the, the most interesting sector in the world right now because so many people start to realize that school didn't prepare them for for life how it is right now because uh, the school systems are quite old and they can't keep up with all these changes quick enough so it's definitely necessary to keep on learning all your life because techniques changing jobs are changing so basically continual learning super important so i think expert business if you can be the expert in your field and help other people improve improving in the field you're an expert in i think that's a, like one of the best businesses you can do right now so producing online courses that's uh like one of the things i will put my whole focus on this year and also i started another company uh, another production company because i realized a lot of experts don't have uh, good content yet or don't have the time to produce good content on a regular basis as well. So besides this one-time produced online courses, I, always start, I also started Excellence Episodes, which is a production company where you can send your shots into and they uh, edit your videos. So uh, yeah, you can like upload YouTube videos like two times, three times a week without taking up all your time. Oh, that's really cool. I, I, I like that a lot. How do you manage running so many different companies and, and production companies? It's all about trust and finding amazing people to work for you. Uh, I've got an editing team of 16 amazing editors, like 
working for me most of the time and um, they're just so amazing I mean it took really a lot of time to find to find the right people who can work on their own and enjoy solving problems themselves but they're just so amazing if I give them a project I know in the end it's gonna look exactly how I describe it to them um, and also now I'm on this Nomad Cruise I already hired two uh, sub-managers for uh, like managing this these two projects so I'm not doing that much myself anymore in my main production company the one for the corporate films and commercials I still produce myself because like I said I really love this challenges and doing the videos but uh, the other two companies are basically passive income I like it a lot and I'm sure a lot of it came from just knowing how to pick your talent and then training them taking through them the system and then you can let them kind of run free and then if you need to you can jump in Exactly. Like, uh, well, like most of my time in the company, I spend uh, improving concept. I don't do anything myself. I don't edit the videos or stuff. I've got people for this, but um, I'm always improving the workflow. The, the communication goes better. I produce online courses for uh, for the people who work for me. So everyone uh, who gets into my company just starts working. I don't have to train them myself. And yeah, just automation is a lot. I like it. So before we wrap up, there's actually two questions I want uh, to ask you. They're both going to be kind of like free flow where I'll just give you the mic for, um, you know, really as long as you want, but like a minute, three minutes, whatever. The first is going to be about gear. And it doesn't have to just be camera gear, but it can really be anything, software, gear, whatever. I just want to hear all your favorite things, maybe everything that you use, everything that you recommend to yourself, your friends, or just whatever it is. Well, I really love... uh I'm kind of an Apple fanboy and I need to say I've got the MacBook and the iPhone because it just works together so well and I really nearly know at no time I had to worry about getting things fixed or anything because they're just like made for made for forever and um, also software once pretty stable never had vi problems with how called an English virus yeah yeah so this kind of stuff so you don't really have to worry about and um, I also love my camera so much you you already mentioned it before the Sony Alpha 6300 because it's just so compact but the image is so amazing. Uh, my lenses and um, yeah, a lot of video gear. I love like the drone just to get a new perspective. And I've got a slider to record, move time lapse and this kind of stuff. So um, when I when I buy gear, I usually don't look at the price so much because I know in the end, if I buy the cheap gear, usually I buy twice and put in more, even more money. I had the hard learning with my first action cam, which was like a cheaper model of the gopro and i broke it at the second day of production and had a really hard time to quickly find a new camera so like buy the buy the right stuff by look up the gear that suits your your purpose and your situation best and just get this one even uh you have to maybe have to save for it a bit longer but uh get the right gear i like it and what what are some of your favorite lenses what do you travel with my favorite lenses, um, so like you pointed out already, I use two of these cameras, so I don't have to change all the time, so I can use more specialized lens, um, which don't make sense in all situations, but uh, I have to mount a second camera, so it works pretty well. So on my main camera, I've got a 55 to 210 zoom lens, so I can pretty, pretty much record everything that's more far away than one and a half meters so if walking around if walking around town is pretty good to capture details in the houses or film people from more far away so they are naturally and don't feel like you're putting the camera in their face and i've got a second camera where i usually have a fixed lens on it like a 35 millimeter which equals a 50 millimeter on a film frame camera which is uh, about what we see with our normal eyes the normal perspective so you can get a quite realistic look and 
have the people really dive into your scene and i also got a 12 millimeter with me all the time um which is a wide angle lens so you can capture amazing landscapes and time lapses of the stars and this kind of stuff so if somebody was planning a trip to nepal or if i can go back in time what lenses would you recommend to capture nepal like I said, I now travel with a lot of gear. I've got 35 kilogram of camera gear with me right now. And most people don't want to have this. So the way I work wouldn't work for most of the people. So if you've got just one camera with you and look for one good lens, because that's what you're, what you're going to use in the end, because you're not changing lenses all the time. Otherwise, you will lose half of your shots because they are gone too quick. So that's why I recommend usually buying zoom lenses. Although usually zoom lenses prefer a little bit worse then uh, fixed lenses but um like you just get the shot otherwise you would miss it so get a get a good camera and a good zoom lens and by good camera you mean the sony line the alpha line <laughs> yeah sony is just pretty good because they have such a fast autofocus such an amazing image and the stabilization works so well so basically for the run again shooting there's nothing better than sony and do you think this is kind of the end of uh the the dslr age because for the longest time, like a Canon DSLR was the best camera you can get. But it seems like these smaller Sony cameras are just dominating them. Exactly. They're just um, putting so much stuff in there they couldn't use in a, ca- uh, in, a, in a Canon camera. Like so many amazing features. And the video production market has changed so much. I mean, like the, the, the way video editors work right now is basically nothing like five years ago. Or even even the time when I started was totally different, and uh, the video editing. So like like the workflow changes so much, and Canon didn't really improve the concept. So that's why they are kind of outdated now. I have a photographer friend that lives back in LA, Judd Weiss, who actually, funny enough, he ran for vice president with uh, John McAfee last <laughs> this last election. But he's a photographer, and on his Facebook, he basically posted. I've been, uh, I think he used to use camera, uh, a Canon's, but, um, he's like, I, you know, I've switched to Sony mirrorless and this is a warning to all my photographing friends, sell all your DSL gear and lenses now because it's going to be worthless in the next few years. Mm. Yeah. It's a big struggle for many people because like when you, uh, when you started in one system, you usually want to stick with it as long as possible because you've got all the lenses and all the gear that comes with it. And if you change to a whole new system, you will need a lot of lenses or at least adapters to work, have a proper workflow. So it's a big invest in the beginning. But yeah, if you, if you, if you do the decision and go for the right gear, it will be rewarding in the ending. Okay. I like that. And the other thing you mentioned was the uh, Apple fanboy. <laughs> uh, it was funny as I was sitting in the theater the other day here on the cruise and some guy next to me had a Sager gaming laptop and I hadn't seen one in five years and it was so funny because I remember my last PC, my last Windows computer was a Sager gaming laptop. I think it might have been the same one he had and I remember thinking, this is the best laptop in the world. This is, you know, my, my specs are so high, I have so much RAM, I have so much processing power and then my friend... Nicholas Gorgoradis, he was buying a brand new MacBook Air. It was 2013. And he's like, hey, Johnny, uh, I have my old Mac Pro. Do you, do you want it? He's like, it's a bit old. The screen is a little bit you know, cracked on the side. But uh, why don't you take this? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't need that. I have my brand new Sega gaming laptop. And he's like, bro. You know, he's South African. So he's like, bro, just trust me. Just, just try it for a week. And I tried it. 
and it was so much fucking better. It was so much more stable. It was much faster. You can close the lid and not worry about it, like basically overheating in your laptop and your backpack because it uh, didn't shut off or didn't go to sleep correctly. And the here it was. It was like a three or four year old almost broken MacBook Pro, and it was way faster, way better. Than my brand new, almost top of the line gaming laptop on on Windows. And the thing that really got me to switch was when I was rendering uh, videos and I would export. You know, and I was—I don't remember what I was using on Windows, but it took literally like twenty times longer. That's insane. Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues why many PC users don't believe in Apple is if you look up the hardware, it doesn't seem so exciting. But um, just the software and the hardware works together so well. So even on a MacBook, you get better render times with Final Cut than with Premiere Pro. Uh, for the video editing because just the software and the hardware works together so well. That's why I love Final Cut on the MacBook so much because even as my multicam 4K edits, it's just so quick. So the best way to describe it would be Apples or Macs are really like Porsches. The the horsepower isn't going to be as high as your Mustang or your Camaro or something, but it just works better. It's you know it'll it'll act in real real life driving. It'll be faster. It'll feel better. And it's just it's just more it's just a better build. I like it. So, on that topic, uh, Apple, if you, are, you guys are listening, I've been waiting for a, a new laptop for the last probably three years. So please make a uh, better better laptop because I I want to give you my money. I just hate on the new TouchBall MacBook Pros, and there's no new MacBook Air. So keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. So uh, last question, same thing, but instead of gear, you know, not instead of asking you for your favorite gear recommendations. I just want to hand you the mic for, you know, one or two, three minutes, whatever, however long you want. Just your favorite things in the world or the things that you want people to know or, you know, just really whatever you you wish that would have came up that we didn't have time to talk about. It's all yours. So actually, there's not so much more I want to say because I feel like we covered a lot in this interview. Um, there's just one thing I really realized and uh, one one thing my mind changed a lot about uh, between when I started my first company and right now, it's doing business with purpose, not only for yourself, but also for other people. Because my first company, uh, I mean, I've always been doing business with purpose in, uh, if it's about like what I want to do, like, for example, the travel, travel blogging. So the travel blogging was because I love traveling and I wanted to travel. So I was looking for a way to make this possible. So that's the thing I did right already because I was thinking about how I want to spend my life. But what I did wrong probably or what I would do different now is like also think about what is the future in the field you want to get started in. And I mean, travel blogging is nothing that's really improving or anything. It's basically just marketing for companies or your own products. And um, with the long-term view, I feel so much more motivated, especially with my new production companies for uh, expert businesses, because I know that the e-learning sector is going to be the future. The the normal schooling system isn't ju- just isn't fast enough anymore for how fast the technique and the work world is improving. So e-learning is going to be the future. And starting a company that is made to develop the future in a way, made to to make the future better in a way it just keeps me so motivated because it's not only the short time project that i know oh wow wow now i can travel the world with my travel blog it's also about i know that i make a change in the world that lasts for for a long time 
I love it. So whether you whatever you guys get started with, go ahead start start for yourself, but always have that bigger picture in mind of changing the future. Exactly, and and it's not necessary. You have it like all in the beginning. You could just get started. Like I said, I would have never thought about starting a production company if not people were asking me to do so. I love it. So Dankeschön for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you, and thank you guys uh, for listening. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Take a screenshot of it post the links wherever you hang out on your social media or whatever you want just just get it out there because i think this was a really good interview where people can learn a lot from it uh if you guys want to have links to anything that we talked about check out the show notes at travel like a boss podcast.com this is one episode 197 see all of you guys next week bye-bye thank you for listening to the travel like a boss podcast if you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.